This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. Visit JabberjawMedia.com for more shows like this one. This holiday season, head over to Metal Blade Records web store for their label's annual Chris Massacre promotion. Featuring ugly Christmas sweaters, ornaments, mugs, and more. New Metal Blade merchandise is also available, along with shirts and exclusive editions from an array of artists. Get your holiday shopping done now at MetalBladeStore.com. Once again, MetalBladeStore.com. It's the Metal Sucks Podcast with your hosts, Petter Speich, Brandon Hahn, and Jocelyn Sharp. Metal Sucks Podcast. What's going on, everybody? Saya your host, Petter Speich. Joining me today is... It's my name, Brandon Hahn, and I'm not going to speak to you in a funny accent like Pete did. I didn't... Did I use an accent? It was so hilarious. Mm. Uh, you can find me on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Mr. Han Comedy. And make sure you follow our other co-hosts, Jocelyn Sharp, at Jocelyn Sharp, J-O-Z-A-L-Y-N Sharp, on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, and Sylvia Alvarado, at It's the Sylvia on Twitter. I almost feel like I have to spell out Sylvia, because that's spelled differently. S-Y-L-V-I-A. How else can you spell Sylvia? S-I? S-I. Oh, yeah. okay. All right. So I'm just trying to, I'm just trying to clear we up want, some we confusion. We want people to make sure they follow her. So right. yes, S-Y-L. S-Y-L-V-I-A. S-Y. And that's on Instagram and Twitter, at It's the Sylvia. If you want to follow me, guys, I'm at Rise to Offend on Facebook and Twitter. Rise to Offend official on Instagram. This week, we continue our final episode of 2019. It was a good year. It's a good year. It was a fun year. I had a, I had a blast this year. It was, it was a great time. Pete but, became a dad for the second time this year. What mm, all happened this year? God, don't on the spot, right? Yeah. Many good things happened. I don't know, man. I got older. You got older. Yeah. Wait, uh, that's is that a good thing? Jesus. Uh, oh, yeah. absolutely. It's a good thing. I, I, I always saw again. My older, knees are a, a little thing. bit shitty. Well, that's fine. I'm, I'm, I'm good with aches and pains. I just, you know, I, I'm smarter and there's more peace every year. Yeah, I guess you're right. The longer you live, the less angry you are. I got off weed, and I was really angry for that. And then I got back on, and now I'm not. I didn't know you got back on weed. Yeah, uh, you can tell. You can't tell. It's a different change of mind. Mm, I'm not high now. Yeah. I don't do it on the show. Mm-hmm. I you come, have. <laughs> I have. And I listen, and I'm like, don't do that. So now I come in bright-eyed and bushy-tailed. Now you're good, now you're good to go. You got a sugar high today. Oh, you, you ate a ridiculous... Apple you, fritter. Oof, the apple fritter. Was Are you kidding legit. me? I love apple fritters. No, the one you... It was, but you got a big one. Yes, of course. That was like a dual apple fritter. So anyways, why are we here? We are here to give you guys our top five records that we felt, us four as a collective, of 2019. This is the last episode we're doing this year. We will be off for the next two weeks following this. And so we are going to count down our top five, guys. Let's just jump right into number five. We're going to play a couple tracks off those records. And of course, we're going to have an interview for one of our um, top five artists here coming up for in a little bit, guys. Number five on our list is going to be Whitechapel's The Valley. This record to me was really, really something special. I feel the band's growth all through the years all kind of accumulated on this record. Visually, it was fantastic. The packaging was fantastic. And the songs, like I said, the catchiest things to me that Whitechapel ever did. Here's a couple tracks off that record, guys. And our number five record of the year, The Valley by Whitechapel. Thank you. 
the Metal Sucks Podcast.
The songs you heard, guys. The first one, When a Demon Defiles a Witch. Next one, Hickory Creek. Both off our number five record of the year, The Valley by Whitechapel. Our number four record of the year. The first record by Possessed in 33 years, Revelations of Oblivion. Don't know what to say besides that to come back at this far down the road and then put a record that I think is almost as good as Seven Churches, not as good, but almost as good as Seven Churches is just a, a huge thing. That's so rare, by the way. It is For rare. For a band to put out a record that late and to still have it, that in quotations, the it factor. And dude, it is a possessed record through and through. So it, it truly made me happy. So our number four record of the year, Possessed Revelations of Oblivion. Come on. 
Battle Sucks Podcast. Life is not an illusion.
couple songs you just heard. The first one, No Room in Hell, and the second one, Shadow Cult. Both off our number four record of the year by Possessed, Revelations of Oblivion. Number three record of the year. Now, this one, first time I heard it, I was like, this is a great record. But then the more and more and more I listened to it, it just really, I mean, I don't know where to even put it on the scale, but it's Periphery's Periphery Part 4, Hail Stan, is our number three record of the year. Um, the, the band is really tight. They always sound really great on all their records, but there's something about this one that I think really just kind of pushed them, to me, into a different area. Away from this gent thing that uh, I, I don't know if they always get credit for being a part of, but it's just, they're, they're just a really tight and amazing band, and every every member has a moment to shine on this record. So, our number three record of the year is by Periphery. That is uh, Periphery 4, Hail Stan. Here's a couple tracks off that one. Yeah. 
Sucks Podcast.
first song you heard is off of Periphery 4 Hail Stand. That, that is uh, Blood Eagle. Second song, Garden in the Bones. That is our number three record. Bringing us into our number two record of the year. This one is from the old firm Casuals, Holger Dance. Now, I know it's a punk rock record. I know that a lot of people consider Lars Fredrickson is the front man of this band from Rancid, for people that don't know. But this record, to me, is everything that I want to be in mainstream rock. It's catchy. It's good. It's got energy. It's got anger. It's got everything you want to like something breakthrough. You know, it's just a matter of getting it out there. So this one, I think I've listened to this more than anything this year. And uh, I just recently saw him live as well, which which definitely helps when you're doing a list and you're like, all those songs come out there and in your face. But anyways, guys, with that, let's jump into my interview with none other than Lars Fredrickson from the old firm Casuals and Rancid. Everybody, what's going on? It's Petter with the Metal Sucks Podcast on the phone. I have Lars Fredrickson from the old firm Casuals. This is our number two favorite record of 2019. Oh, wow. Oh, you didn't know. You didn't know. This is our best of episode. Oh, wow. Cool. (laughs) That's how I like to start the interview. Just let you know right away. (laughs) Awesome. Awesome. So, um, cool, man. Let's talk about Holger Dansk. And I'm saying that correctly, correct? Or no? You are. Perfect. You are. Uh, Holger Dansk, because we here on the metal side of the world, we obviously want to take all the bands that we love that influence punk rock as well, Motorhead, Mm -hmm. ACDC. These are metal bands to us. But... um, they're act- punk bands to us. Exactly. Exactly. And I that's- mean, ACDC, ACDC, when you know, they first started and moved over to England, I mean, that's, they were described as a, a punk band. I mean, there was adverts for them you know, in, in papers and stuff like that. There's a really cool DVD that I think, what was it called? It was some sort of ACDC, like um, had some live uh, um, concert footage and some, and some, uh, and, their, and their music videos. And there's some adverts and it's just, it's, you know, punk, punk, punk. So, because they didn't know how to describe them. You know, they were so, you know, raw and rock and roll. It was punk. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. I, I've always felt Motorhead is a punk rock band, but I don't know if they get that label. You felt the same way about them growing up? Well, yeah. I mean, I, I think that the punks sort of, uh, you know, claimed ownership on them as much as the metalhead guys did, mm-hmm. you know? And, and, um, I think that was like the probably the, one of the only places, at least in California, where you would find you know punks, skinheads, and metal guys all at the same show, and there wasn't a ton of violence. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, um, but yeah, I mean, I always felt like Motorhead was just you know I think it's just what punk rock is to me is just baseline rock and roll. You know what I mean? And I think that both of the the bands. Motorhead and ACDC, they're just basic rock and roll bands. I mean, you know, they obviously have their own edge and their own thing and their own rhythm and their own style. But if you, at the end of the day, it's basic rock and roll. I mean, you know, and I think that's what punk rock was trying to get, get back to with that music was, you know, fuck Emerson, Lake and Palmer and fucking, you know, Crosby, Stills and Nash, not, you know, and, you know, do something a little bit more, you know, two minute, 30 second songs like Elvis Presley or Chuck Berry or that original shit, you know. Absolutely, man. Yeah. So, and, and I do love that because you did grow up during a time where I, I did not grow up in the time. I grew up more or less, I want to say, in the, I was born in the 80s. So the 90s, the punk and metal scenes, they weren't at, uh, at odds with each other. But during your youth, yeah. you're growing up, you did actually yeah. have, there was a line drawn in the sand, which I find so strange because of my upbringing, you know? Um, well, I, I think, you know, one of the reasons 
that was going down is is that that a lot of reasons. Um, you know, in my in my hometown, we didn't really have a lot of that. You know what I mean? Okay. So, so, but if you went to the bigger cities, you would see the kind of more of the lines in the sand. I think I think outcasts were outcasts where I was from. So whether you had a Judas Priest backpatch or painted GBH on your jacket, it didn't really matter. We all liked to get drunk and get stoned and hang out. So it just the only thing that was different was the musical differences, really. But they weren't really. If you look back at it, mm-hmm. they're not all that. Uh, dissimilar you know what i mean so it's, is that a word dissimilar if it's not i just made it up but um you, you, you know what i mean there's 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 still that energy like you can hear like screaming for vengeance by priest and then turn around and play give me fire by gbh and it's kind of got the same I mean, metallica made a living off of you know gbh songs i mean let's just be honest so the, when, the, when the when the thrash metal stuff came in i think that's when it got and the crossover stuff that was happening in punk rock I think that's when it started to kind of mellow out. You know, you could go see Broken Bones and Exodus and Death Angel and GBH and Metal Church and The Exploited and whatever, you know, those types of bands. It would, you would have a lot of mixed shows, especially here in the Bay Area. Yeah. I mean, you would see, you know, a lot of the hardcore bands too, like Agnostic Front playing with, with GBH or the Cro-Mags playing with GBH or, or whatever. So there, I think there was always there. It was just a place for hard-edged music. Um, but... Uh, yeah, I think once the thrash thing came came around, which was metal, you know, and basically their punk influences, and um, you know, the songs were a little bit longer. But I think you can find a correlation between all those styles, honestly. A hundred percent. I remember when I first heard Rain and Blood, I thought it was a punk rock record, and I mean, I was, okay. I, I couldn't see the difference, and everybody was trying to explain to me, no, this is what punk sounds like. This is Rain and Blood. I'm like, okay, well, whatever. No. Yeah. Rain and Blood is like, you know, what, so 12 songs or eight songs, nine songs with tw- uh, two-minute songs. Mm-hmm. You know? It's but, 27 I mean, minutes. Yeah, it's a punk record. <laughs> it's a, it, well, I mean, but also, but that just shows you how influenced they were, and that was yeah. probably Hanneman. You yeah. know what I mean? So, I mean, I, you know, I got a chance to hang out with him a few times, and he was a huge punk fan. And that was the thing. It's, it's, it's all that kind of style of music. I mean, they were just, you know, singing about Satan and Auschwitz and we were kind of doing the same thing. It was just different, different lyrics. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I don't know. I mean, to me, it's, it's not any different. Like I think I, I love Slayer as much as I love, you know, GBH and Motorhead. I mean, Motorhead and GBH are my two favorite all time favorite bands, but, um, I, you know, Slayer is not that far cry, you know? Absolutely, man. And that's something about this record that I, I always wanted to promote on this show. Like I said, we are basically a metal show, but Holger Dansk is, it's, it's like music just for us. You know, whether you're yeah. a punk guy or, or a hardcore guy or a metal guy, you guys made this record flow with every single thing you want. If you want a fast, hardcore song, you got Traitor. If you want um, a sing-along type of track, you got Motherland. You know, you got Holger Dansk is another one. So it was just such a, a great... Um, mixture of styles which i felt this means means war was as well i just felt the influences on that one and we're just talking about the full lengths we'll, we'll get through the uh the other yeah, stuff yeah. that you guys have done but um this means war i felt that one was just such a um, it was more rooted i guess in the punk rock thing where this one seems to expand more even the ep um wartime rock and roll it, it felt like a a counterpiece to this means war in a lot of ways but this one seems to if if I may, it's it's almost like the life won't wait moment where it, things kind of mm. change a little bit, you know. Well, I I feel like if you looked at 
any one of our, you know, any, you know, Gabe, myself, mm-hmm. Paul, or, or Casey's record collection, you would find what's on Holger Dansk. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like the influences to the, to those songs. Um, you would find the influences in our record collection, you know? So, um, you know, I, I, when I was a kid, you really, you know, we were talking about the, the clear line and all that stuff. But when I was a kid, you, if you were into subculture or something, whether it was thrash or metal or punk or, or whatever it is, skinhead, whatever it was, you really had to love. It wasn't like today where you could go on the Internet and listen to Slayer and then listen to, you know, Rancid and then listen to GBH just automatically, like with Spotify and stuff. This is, you know, obviously before the, the computer generation. So when you had 10 bucks or whatever it was to go buy a record, you, you, you had, to, you know, you had to really commit to your scene. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So that you could, it wasn't like, at least this is my experience. I, I can't talk about everybody else's. My, my brother was a little bit different. He liked all kinds of music. And, and, and um, but for me, like I want, if I was going to go to the record store and pick up a record, I wasn't going to go check out, um, you know, Saxon. I was going to buy the exploited record that I knew I was going to get, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So you really had to commit to your, to your, to your, to your genre, I guess, in a lot of ways. And as the world has changed and now where you like, you have these Spotify and streaming apps and stuff like that. It's not stuff that I really participate in. I, I'll just go out and buy a hard copy of, of a record, especially if it's a band I like, cause you know, I'm, I'm in a band and I want to support other musicians out there you know, doing their thing and wanting to, you know, make their music. So I'm going to go out and buy hard copies. And plus I just like having it too, you know? So, um, I really feel like, uh, today it's a lot, you know, um, you can like a, a, a lot of different things. Like my kids are straight up metalheads. Like they love Lamb of God, Slayer, Creator, you know, Destruction, um, Cannibal fucking corpse and shit like that, you know? And it's like, they just like the feeling that they get, you know, and, um, but they also love like, you know, Cox bar and GBH and the last resort and rancid and, and whoever, you know, and I think that's, what's different today now is that it's, it's, it's almost, you know, easier to kind of, you know, find music and then accept it and absorb it. And it can be from all kinds of genres, you know what I mean? And I, and I like that. I like that, that, that aspect of it because I do love hard music and the metal stuff didn't really come, you know, like Slayer was like the, there was a few bands back in the day that like you could kind of like, if you were a punk, like you could like Motorhead, you could like Slayer, you could like ACDC, maybe some priest or whatever. Um, Testament, you know, obviously the, the local Bay area thrash kind of stuff. You could like those bands, but you know, if you were uh, for me i was a lot more closed-minded i um in my you know late teens mid-20s and it wasn't until i sort of you know started you know playing in bands and and, and sort of opening my mind and going different places that i started kind of listening to different stuff you know absolutely man yeah I, i've talked to a lot of guys through the years and they used to say they used to take out records when their friends came over in the 80s because they weren't allowed to have those records and hide them in the closet <laughs> they'd be like yeah i'd have to, i have my secret stash yeah. of records and then i'd have yeah. the yeah. the one that my friends can pick through and i thought that was a cool thing i'm like i would totally have done that you know <laughs> like, well so. I, I think i did do that you, you did know? do so, that too yeah 
Yeah, oh, I mean, because Kiss was the first band I ever heard. I mean, and when my mom and dad split up and we went to uh, to Denmark while they were figuring out the divorce or whatever, uh, my older cousin, she was into shit like Sweet and Slade and T-Rex and the Walkers and, you know, Chicory Tip and, you know, all the kind of more, you know, t- um, Gary Glitter, you know, mm-hmm. more more of that kind of glammy, stompy, boot boy kind of shit, you know what I mean? And then, so when I heard Kiss, it was like, you know, hearing Slade or something, or and the Sweet, because that's what Kiss obviously tried to emulate. And then as you got, got older and then seeing the Ramones, you know, and then just kind of, so my Kiss records, my Cheap Trick records were on a totally different pile <laughs> you know because you know the, it went basically kiss was the first band that i really ever fell in love with it got turned on to like cheap trick and then i heard um probably highway to hell and i was like oh fuck this like this is the shit and then i heard the ramones and i was like fuck all that this is the shit you know what i mean so yeah, absolutely that was my natural progression dude i'll still play dream police but i don't play it too loud in my car i'm just being honest dude <laughs> that record's great but i gotta keep it a little a little low you know when company's no, I, in the car i, I, I rock I mean, dream police that's a great record it I mean, is that's one of the that, that's one of the first you know cheap trick records i ever bought was that one um and then of course i had to get black and white and you know mm-hmm. live at budokan and so on and so forth but uh you know i feel like if you listen to cheap trick or an acdc or even a kiss i mean it's it's basic stuff just like punk it, it's not that far away it's just it's really not i mean I can say that now as a 48-year-old man, but I would not have said that when I was 25. <laughs> totally. I completely yeah. get it. Yeah. That's the you know, great thing I, about getting older. Yeah, well, it is, you know, except for the aches and pains. But the, the idea, I'm, I'm, I'm obviously a lot more open than I was um, when it comes to that kind of stuff. And like I said, my kids are, are totally into metal, and they've turned me on to some shit. I'm just like, whoa, this is sick. Like, you know, and... Some of the records I've gone back to, you know, when the thrash metal thing started to happen, I picked up a few of those early records, you know, uh, Pleasures of the Flash and shit like that. Um, a lot, obviously, the Slayer records and, and um, a few Metallica records. But, like, I never was outwardly would say the, the metal that I always hated was like the glam shit. You know what I mean? That mm-hmm. was like, you know, those types of, you know, the, the hair bands or whatever. Um I don't have a, a passionate uh, hatred for that stuff anymore. I, don't, I just don't really care. I, just, I don't let it rent any space in my head. But the, the more like thrashy stuff is something that I always would more go to. And, and the, like the good rock and roll like ACDC, you know. And, and I, I think with Holger Dansk, you know, having those uh, types of styles and, and kind of feelings to, to those songs of pretty much, I think, from those aforementioned bands that I, that I um, I, I think that, you know, all this stuff has influenced us over the years, whether we want to admit it or not, or, you know, just kind of leaked in there in the subconscious or whatever. But um, I think the only way that we could have made, you know, Holger Dansk and is just to kind of like not get in the way of the song. The song was naturally, you know, for me, when a song starts to come into my head, uh, I kind of just let it flow and find out, see where it goes. And with the casuals, it's pretty easy because everybody has um, sort of somewhat of the same influences. So you can reference, for instance, a Slade or whatever it is, and people will know what you're talking about. 
You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So it makes it easier for the song to kind of to, to come into fruition when people, you know, we're all roughly the same age, you know, so, and everybody's, you know, good players. So I, I you know, I'm lucky as a songwriter in the band um, to be able to bring forth ideas and these guys take them and make them their own and put their own spin to it and make the song, the song. Cause if I took an old from casual song, and brought it to like Rancid or Oxy's Midnight Runners or whatever it was, it wouldn't be the same song because they're going to have different interpretations of what the song is. Does that make sense? Absolutely. And I can't take a Rancid song and bring it to the old from Casuals just because, I, you know, it would not be the same song. Everybody's going to have a different take. Rancid does what we do. I think we do it pretty fucking well. And that's what we do. Old from Casuals does what we do. And I think... It's the the chemistry between the four of us, you know. In any in, in in any band I play in, it's the chemistry within those people that make the songs the songs. Make sense? Absolutely, man. Absolutely. And and the title track that you were just mentioning, it is a centerpiece to the record. It's got yes. an intro. It's it, it it that's something that I think was real special to the record. Is that you, you've got the build up, you've got the starting off with the punk rock song, going to Motherland, and then you have the centerpiece kind of take you the rest of the way. Real, yep. real well done. But like I said, it looked like it was a planned thing. Now I do like thematically that um, for people that don't know, Holger Dansk, he's a uh, he's a Viking warrior who I think reportedly never died, but he's like sl- yeah, yeah. S- sleeping in like I don't know. Can you tell me a little bit more about that? Because I, I don't know exactly, but I know that well, a little he, bit. Well, he he actually was a real dude. Mm-hmm. There's there's not there's not much known about him, and. It's it's kind of a uh, an involved story, so it might take a couple minutes. Are you okay with that? Absolutely, yeah, yeah. Okay, all right. So a few years ago, the the, the Danish national team put him on their uh, the soccer team for the World Cup. Put him on the jersey, um, and the the mythology about him is he actually was a legit dude. There's not a lot known about him. Um, I think Hans Christian Andersen might have written a story, but I don't I don't. I don't know if it was factual or if it was just kind of, you know, Hans Christian Anderson kind of take on it. But what, uh, what, what the idea, the, the, the folklore around it is that he sleeps in, 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 in the, the basement of Castle Elsinore. And every Christmas an angel comes down and basically says, you can keep sleeping or you need to rise up and defend Denmark from her enemies. And that's, that's the folklore, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, in World War II, um, the the Danish resistance against the Nazis, uh, their group was called Holger Dansk. And my uncle Vigo was part of that that resistance. And um, come to find more and more, because my mom, you know, when she was, she's, she's a Danish immigrant, born in Denmark in World War II, Nazi-occupied Denmark. And as of the last maybe 10 years, she's been a little bit more forthcoming about her experience and how fucked up it was. You know, it's like, it's pretty nuts. She was like four years old when all this shit was going down. And uh, part of the way I wrote that song was it's kind of more of like an anti-fascist song with Holger Dansk, you know, being the, the obviously the character. Um, and I, I thought that was appropriate for, for what's going on in today's world. You know, I mean, you know, I think our rights as Americans are being threatened. You know, the freedom of speech. Uh freedom of religion you know most of the things that we take for granted i think are are at stake and i think anytime that you tell anybody 
regardless if I agree with them or not, what they can say, what they can do, how they can dress, who they need to vote for, how they need to act. That to me is fascism. Once you try, once you take, try, try to take away someone's ability to think for themselves, that becomes fascism. And I think that you'll, for me, you know, seeing it in the society, I thought it was just an appropriate way to say, fuck that kind of shit. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, um, and also to pay homage to my uncle, you know, who survived. And a lot of them fucking didn't. As a matter of fact, my mom told me a story about, you know, he had come home and they were listening to the radio. And in the radio, there was the code. And he passed out the table because his whole unit had been captured and killed. You know what I mean? So these types of things maybe not happen to every family, but I think, you know, growing up and my mom, not only being so proud to be Danish because it's a little small little place in the world, but having her experiences, you know, passing it down to myself and my brother about judgment and equality and letting people live the way that they want to live. I'm not saying if you're saying some racist shit, I won't punch you in the fucking face. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that you have a right to do whatever you want to do. And once you start telling people how to conduct themselves or act, there would be no punk rock. There would be no metal. You know, they can fucking go and grab you if you've got tattoos and throw you in jail if they want to. I mean, the Patriot Act is fucking insane. You know, so if you look at these things... I don't know. That was kind of the influence of that whole record, you know, was this kind of like anti-fascist approach. And that fascism meaning, you know, the controlling of your mind. Does that make sense? Yeah, dude, it does completely, yeah. That's crazy because I'm, uh, I mean, I have such a similar story, dude. I'm from Montenegro, first-generation American, and my father, his father, um, fought the Nazis and was, you know, murdered, was killed Mm -hmm. in the war. And, and Mm -hmm. he, he, he was four or five. And I remember he, he would tell me all the time. It's like, he just remember seeing his father, they all had rifles and they were going proudly over there. They had no idea what they were walking into. And I guess the whole village was just women and then the children eventually, because none of the men survived. But um, he would tell me the story. He would always say like, uh, which is like, you know, I love you. Give me a kiss. And my dad kept running back to him. And that was like the only memory he had that he can pass on about my grandfather during the war. Right, right. And so being born, I'm a first-generation American. They're immigrants from Montenegro. And uh, being born and bred, you know, I guess American born and bred, that's what I am. But my heritage, um, it was always tricky because I am American, you know? Right. (laughs) And, uh, but... I guess being a first generation of my parents are immigrants. So if I'm American through and through, but it's, it's not comforting with me um, trying to find my identity. Is that relatable to you? Yeah, 100%. I mean, I think that because, you know, I grew up in a household that was very um, open and the things that we talked about at the dinner table, you know, I'd go to some of my friends' houses and that's definitely not what they were talking about at the dinner table, you know. And I think you ha- America had, you know, this leave it, leave it to beaver idea that we're all safe, just have a bomb shelter in the backyard. And that was that. But, like, I think w- the way my mom sort of raised us, 
to sort of judge a person by their merit, not the color of their skin or what God they prayed for or who they wanted to sleep with. You know what I mean? Because I think she had that experience of a, you know, fascist dictatorship trying to go in and, and basically, you know, fucking ethnic cleanse and, and, and tell people how to live their lives. So I think if you have that experience, you're only, that's only going to be part of you. And you're only going to, like, if for me, with my kids, like, I'm first-generation American, right? So, yeah, I'm American. Fuck yeah. But my values are not, like, you know, apple pie and hot dogs. Like, that's not, my moral compass is not that. I'm not trying to generalize or, or trivialize the American dream or the American way of life. I'm not saying that at all because I love apple pie and I love hot dogs. But my, my point is, is I'm not just that, that I'm not... I've always been different in a sense. I never felt like I fit in, you know, and I think that's maybe part of it. I don't know. Um, I always felt different. And that's maybe why I found punk rock and maybe why I found music and why I fell in love with it so much because it was like the one place where I wasn't either A, going to get judged, and B, I felt like completely understood me, <laughs> you know, because of the lyrical content or whatever it was. So like you... You know, finding that place to fit in, you know, was definitely most important to me. My kids are not having that experience. So they're not having the experience that I had growing up, you know, what I mean, and they won't. And, you know, I'm so grateful for that because, you know, through the success of music and people supporting Rancid over the years, I've been able to and on also my other bands as well. I've been able to give them a life beyond my wildest, you know, beyond their my wildest dreams, you know, so. They're not going to, you know, wonder, you know, when the next meal's coming in or, you know, eating raisin bran for you know, Christmas dinner or nothing like that. Not that, you know, it is what it is, but people even have it worse than that. But my point is, is their experience is not going to be what my experience was. Now, I have a moral compass and I have a value system. And I will, you know, do my best to not really, I, won't, I can't say install that into them, but I will say, you know, lead by example, you know. I, I treat people, I don't care what color skin you are. I don't care. That makes no difference. I don't even care what political party you belong to. It doesn't matter to me. You know what I mean? I treat people, you know, with, with kindness, and I try to do that. You know what I mean? Uh, I don't look at somebody, and I try not to look at somebody and judge them, because Lord knows that's been, you know, done to me a million fucking times, right? If you want to get in my face and spew, spew some shit at me, then, then, you know, there'll be issues. But other than that, you know, I, I just want to walk my life, you know what I mean, and do what I do. And I'm going to say what I'm going to say and do what I'm going to do. As far as my children go, you know, I hope that when it's all said and done for me on this fucking planet Earth in this realm or whatever you want to believe or whatever you believe, like, I hope that I've at least left them, you know, with, um, you know, enough... I, I, Enough of my values that their life, um, they, they can see, I, mean, I don't know what I'm trying to say here. I'm trying to basically say that, 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 that they're not, it's to leave them not blind to what's actually happening. Does that make sense? Yes, yes. I, my father okay. used to always say to me, he goes, this is the way it works, is that we made the hard move to come over here to America. So our goal is simply that we're, we're starting at the bottom. You, right. as, as our son, 
have to make sure the next generation of our family is in a better position. And then your son has to make them in a better position. And by doing that, it's because we're in our, we now understand the land where they were learning it as they were going, which is, which is not something that I ever had to experience, man. Um, and it's, it's crazy because when we're talking about like finding our identities and, and having a heritage that isn't this culture exactly, you know, in our homes, which is such mm-hmm. a thing, but I'm very comforted I'm, I'm from being, I'm born and raised in Las Vegas. So I'm very yeah. comforted by my city, um, and the family and the, the architecture of belonging somewhere. It almost stayed there, you know, like I have seniority here. So now I feel like I belong here. Like I almost took over just the city, you know, which is a part right. of America. Um, but I always felt that I think a lot of people can connect to where their feet are on the ground and find an identity as well. Did you experience that? Because like you said, you grew up in Campbell, California, um, yeah. up there. Did you have that same kind of experience where it's like this is the only time when your feet touch that land that you're like, this is like my motherland, I guess, in a way? Well, you know, for me, I always found it to be sort of unnerving to go back home over the last maybe, you know, couple decades. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also do find a grounding there. And, and when, when, when things that major in my life happen, like currently what I'm going through now in my personal life, one of the first places I went was back home and uh, just to kind of look to, to get a perspective. Because it's hard to gain perspective when you're in your head, number one. My identity has nothing to do with... Um, I mean, let me, let me, I'm trying to be gentle with myself. <laughs> um, my, my identity is, is not what I do. My identity is not, you know, um, what I look like or whatever it is. My identity is, is, is inside. It's deeper, right? That's my, my belief. Mm-hmm. I know that sounds fucking, you know, way the fuck out there, but for me, my roots uh, are, and, and my, my, where, I, where I'm going to go to find solace, to find uh, security or love, I'm, never, I'm not going to look outside for that. I'm going to look in, internally, you know? And that's where I'll find my grounding. Now, certain places like, you know, Campbell, like having that experience growing up, I didn't realize how, I mean, I didn't really realize how fucked up <laughs> it was until I got some distance from it mm-hmm. because everything was so normalized, you know? So you don't really realize like, Oh man, that was fucked up until you're like, Oh shit. I'm, I'm so far away from that now. That, well, that was, that was my normal, you know? And I used to, you know, obviously flourish in the chaos of that, but that doesn't serve me anymore. You know, Absolutely. That kind of that chaos doesn't really serve. I'm not saying that I'm not pissed off because I'm probably more pissed off than, you know, it's funny because everybody's like, yeah, once you have kids, you're going to mellow out. It kind of did the opposite for me. It actually made me more fired up to talk about shit, you know, or to point things out, whether it be in my music or whatever. So, you know, I've always tried within music not to. Um, tell people what to do, how to think, how to live. You know, I just don't, I just don't agree with that. Um, I feel like I've, I, if, if there's anywhere that you're going to find my personal politics, it's always going to be music, but I will never 
you know, come out and, and really, you know, put that into someone's face, you know, I will in my music because that's, that's the platform which I chose to do that. But, uh, you know, the identity for myself, the growth has been in my experiences, you know, so no, no, no place, no town truly, uh, tells you the whole story of who I am. You know what I mean? No, you know, piece of clothing or guitar riff or lyric I've ever written is going to tell you who I really am. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's, it, I mean, that's part of my identity, but it's not my identity. You know, I, I am a father, you know what I mean? Um, I'm the next husband now twice, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm these things. I'm, I'm these other things as well. It's not just, you know, skinhead rock and roll, you know, two fingers in the air. That's not, that's not, you know, that, yes, that is part of me. Fuck. Yeah. But, uh, you know, it's not all of me. Does that make sense? Absolutely, man. Yeah. hundred percent, dude. Not, and, and, and there's a starting over point, man. And when you say the, the ex-husband now twice thing, and you know, I, I've listened to the other shows and stuff like that, where you just discuss this a little more and we don't have to go into all that, but yeah, the best way to describe it, man. And, and I've been there. Friends have been there. It's like a death in the family, you know, and yeah. it's yeah. such a overwhelming thing. And I just, I know your friends will be there for you. I know everybody will be there, but it's, it's ultimately always lies on us, right? Always, well, you know, like, yes and no. Mm. I mean, the, the thing I don't, you know, sometimes the, the more and more, like I talked about it a few other times and I kind of felt bad because I don't really want to put that out there because totally understand, you, yeah. you know, so I sort of, you know, I have these kids <laughs> yeah, and these, these kids that know how to use computers and, and do like to search up and see what their dad's doing. So, um, you know, it's, it, it's not about me anymore, you know, and it hasn't been about me since, you know, my first came into this world and, uh, you know, it's, it's going to be always about them and their experience. So I, I've been through tougher shit, you know, in my lifetime. Uh, it is a death for sure. But the idea is, is that it's the kids are most important. And if I can do my best without them getting too, too damaged along the way, then we're good, you know. But uh, I feel like no matter what has happened in my life, good or bad, the problem with me is that the good I always met really, really with really high, you know, that, that kind of feeling of high being, being so fucking high. And then my lows were, were, were really fucking low. And the, and for me getting to a place of meeting both the highs and the lows in the same place, meaning with the same reaction or response, I should say, um, that's been the biggest challenge in my lifetime is meeting both the good and the bad equally. And that's impossible, of course, at times, but for my own well-being and my, in my serenity, so to speak, you know, I have to kind of, you know, greet things, greet people, places, things, situations on equal terms, you know, and it's because it's not, it's, uh, there, there's no human power that can take away your pain or your fear or your anguish. You, you, you have to go somewhere else. You got to go somewhere deeper. That's just been my experience. Mm -hmm. I'm not trying to sound like fucking some hippie or anything, but that's just the way it is for me. So I, I, you know, I know that I'm powerless over certain things, but what I am powerful over is my actions, my mind, and I can change the tape upstairs anytime I see fit. And that's, 
that's the, the when I had that realization, like, oh shit, I can just change my mind about this. That was like a very freeing uh, experience to have because I didn't have to wallow in, in the shit anymore. That's my choice. Like pain is mandatory, but suffering is, was totally my option. So pain is mandatory. Suffering is optional, you know? Yes, that's so, perfect. So if I was, if I, if I sat in the, in the suffering, then that's on me. You know, the pain is going to come. You're a human being. You're having a human experience. It's going to suck sometimes. You know what I mean? And that's what I try to, you know, tell my kids. It's like, you know, obstacles and adversity are things that you should be welcoming because those are the things that make you grow. So if I didn't have that experience of, of, of my experience growing up, you know, and the places that, and the violence and the blah, 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 and whatever, if I didn't have that experience, I wouldn't have become the person I am today. You know what I mean? Absolutely. So, and I have no, I don't apologize for anything. I don't, I, you know, what I've done, you know, throughout my life is only been my experience. And I've learned so many fucking great and incredible valuable lessons that I can't apologize for doing what I've done. I have no regrets. You know, I feel like the path that I've chosen was in, in a weird way des destined for me to learn these, learn these lessons. And to have these experiences has only made me a better man and a better father. And uh, that's all I wish to be, you know, at this point. You know, Absolutely. the music, it, the music and the bands and all the other shit that comes with all that stuff. That's all gravy. That's 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 insignificant compared to being a dad or or whatever it is. So but I am at the same time very, very grateful, you know, for people giving me the opportunity to give my kids a better fucking life. I mean, and that's I'll say that to the day that I die. And uh because that's 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 the, my reality, you know what I mean. So there's nothing to complain about. Well, there is always something to complain about, but I'm just gonna choose not to. How's that? That's 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 the way I live my life. I'm the same thing. I, I, there's always something, but I choose not to. I've I've learned a long time ago that we as humans are self-destructive creatures. We are, and forgiveness. As soon as I learn how to forgive. Um, even when I'm wronged, which is a very hard lesson, you know, growing <laughs> up in my household, very hard. Right. But as right, soon as right. I did that, I realized that not only did I learn double the lesson, but my life was back on track faster. Forgiveness is, that's a tough one, man. And people don't realize how tough forgiveness is. It's like you either have to shut off and not care anymore. Like I don't mm. give a shit. If you do that, you still care, obviously. Right. <laughs> right. You know, and, um, but yeah, the, that is going to be a nature of everybody. And, I, and my kids the same way. I'm like, you guys are going to be self-destructive. We hate ourselves more than anybody hates us. I guarantee you that across <laughs> the fucking world. Right? And um, there's something about our society and our identity that does that. But I always say, you know, confidence is vital to our identity. But I always wonder if it finds us or we find it. I never knew that part. That part I'm still working on. Well, I think, you know, as far as like punk rock, what I always used to think about is it, it chose me. I didn't really, you know, yeah, choose it. It, exactly. it just kind of, you know, and I think that is uh, people have that experience, whether the, you know, into metal or rap or fucking country or whatever it is. You know, I think that they, they'll, they'll tell you that like it, it almost chose them. You know, it's a lifelong thing for me. This, this, I mean, you know, I got into this shit when I was 10 years old, nine, 10 years old. And, um, I might have not have looked the part or acted the part or dressed the part or whatever it was. I felt the part. And, um, you know, I'm 48 years old now. 
I mean, it, it's over three quarters of my fucking life I've been doing this shit. And it's like, I'm not slowing down, man. I, this is this is who I am. This is my culture. This is will always be a part of me um, in a major fucking way. Uh, it's what I believe in. It's the value system. It's my moral compass. It's through this music, you know, I became a man. You know, I became... You know, I got a set of values, a set of, of, of ideas, uh, my dreams. Um, you know, I'm a working class kid. Fuck that. I'm a working poor kid. Before there was even a fucking term, you know, I was we were working poor. But I'm, I'm a working class kid, you know, that basically didn't listen to the word no. <laughs> if I could sum it up. You know, I had that attitude, the mindset. I wasn't going to sit and just be poor and work some fucking mundane job. That wasn't for me. That wasn't for me. You know what I mean? Some people can do that. I cannot do that. I cannot go to a factory. I cannot do those things. I did them. You know, I worked, but I was not going to settle. I was just not, that's just not me. It's not who I am. You know what I mean? I was going to make anything that I wanted that I do. I want to do the best I possibly can. And I don't necessarily, it's probably because of my mom, you know, installed that into us. If you're going to do something, I don't care what the fuck it is, just do it the best you can, you know? And I think that's, that's like a big, a big set of the values, you know, part of the set of values I tried to, you know, um, present to my kids, you know? I don't care what the fuck you do. If you think you can be a professional Fortnite player or whatever. They do that fucking, now. Yeah. Yeah. I know. It's, <laughs> it's insane. It's insane. Yeah. You, know, you want to be a professional YouTuber or whatever the fuck you're into, you know, now it's skateboarding and whatever it is, but it's like, then just be the best that you possibly can for yourself. You don't have to be fucking Tony Hawk or Steve Caballero or whoever it is. Just be the best for you. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And the success will come if you got the right relationship to it, you know, and success is all about, you know, that is, it's all in your perspective. Like what does success mean to you? Me, me to me, the success meant just being able to fucking pay my rent and have a place to live and be able to play music, like by playing music. That's all I ever wanted. I got far more greater than I ever wanted. Um, but all I wanted to do is just do what I wanted to do on my own terms and survive from it. That's, you know, obviously got it tenfold. Thank you very much. You know, but, um, you know, I think that if you just can do your best, no matter what it is you do, then that's success. Absolutely. No, I agree with you a hundred percent, man. That's, that's exactly what it is. Timing and all these other factors that come into play, with certain things to get to certain levels, but um, you have an honor inside you that you know what you put out to your fans, to us out here, to our, to the listeners. You know exactly that is something I'm proud of, that is successful because I want to put it out to the audience. And that's something that internally, when we talk, go back to the record, Holger Dance, guys, our second favorite record of 2019, that's something that you, that you did over and over with... Uh, your entire career from large Ferguson and the bastards to rancid, as we talked about to, you know, old firm now and all that stuff. So it's definitely been, um, from a fan's perspective, um, you, you've never sold a short, 
you know, you've always. Well, I, pr- I appreciate that. Yeah. I appreciate that. I'm sorry we've gotten off topic. I know you it's... probably wanted to call and talk about the record. We no, just no. I just want to no. talk, bro. We're good. Oh, <laughs> okay, cool. Well, I wanted to just throwing a little apology if, if i threw you off here. no 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 like i said i just wanted to call and talk and, and the record we're gonna play a song dude don't even worry about it we're gonna promote it <laughs> we're gonna do our part awesome. but thank uh, you our conversation is gonna hit a lot more people you know of our age bracket or younger that's gonna just you know be more meaningful than if we talked about the specific reason why you, we wrote the lyrics for casual rock and roll or something like that you know what i'm saying right it's a great tune i well, we'll love it and and that's well, totally cool you. yeah well, yeah, I, I, you know, I mean, I, I, I feel like I'm at this place in my life that I'm just not going to, you know, keep it in the box. Yeah, genuine. <laughs> you know, I, yeah. I'm, I'm always, I'm always trying to learn new things, turn myself on to new bands, turn myself on to new styles of music. I mean, there's certain music I don't, I will never ever listen to fucking jazz. I just, I think it's just, yeah, yeah, I just. <laughs> It's, that. it's slop, dude. I don't even know what's no, going on. I, I, I don't get it. I know people get it. I don't like pop music, you know, that much. You know, I don't. Um, I don't really like country music unless it's like 60s, 70s kind of stuff. I can get behind, you know, you're obviously, you know, the Waylands and the and the Willies and the Johnnies. But, um, you know, I'm just I'm pretty particular. I, I like my music hard and heavy. And fast, and I like creativity in it. That's why, you know, I fucking you know love bands, you know, that are just not in my genre, that are hard, you know, that are in the metal or the death metal or whatever, you know, that, that sub genres or whatever. I like all kinds of different kinds of things because I just like the hard edge street shit. If I feel like it's coming from a place of, you know, I don't know, from the same place I make music from, then uh, then I relate to it. Does that make sense? It doesn't matter if he's singing about, you know, entrails and, you know, hammer smashed face or, you know what I mean? Yeah. It, it, it's, um, it's, the same. it's, uh, it's just how I'm going to identify to it is, is by the feeling of it, you know? Yeah. 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 It doesn't have to make sense. Like you said, the subculture, we just get it. It makes us pay attention. Yeah, that's the whole point. It's like I'm paying attention yeah. to this. I don't know why, but I really, really, whether it scares me, whether it, it moves me, whether it, <laughs> whatever the case, if you yeah. got me paying attention, you know, I yep. want more. <laughs> so, exactly, and that's exactly. what it's all about, dude. That's what For it's sure, all about. Bro. So I'm super excited to catch you guys, Lars. I'm in Vegas, as I said, born and bred. You guys all will right. be here November 30th, dude. Me and my lady will go. We got the babysitter already. So, <laughs> well, well, I'll leave you. I'll leave you some passes so we can meet each other. Yeah. Oh, dude, that'd be fantastic, brother. Yeah, I'll definitely, yeah, yeah. definitely and do that. Have you? And I, I think Chargers down there with us, right? You can't miss them. Chargers down there? No, I'm not going to miss them, dude. So I'll definitely, dude. If if you do leave me some passes, it'd be great to shake your hand, man, and say what's up. Uh, I would love. I would love that. So just do me a favor and text me, you know, or whatever, and yes. remind me. Okay. For sure, brother. All right, Lars. All right, awesome, bro. Thank you, man. <laughs> Right time.
the Metal Sucks Podcast. Our number two record of the year, once again, Old From Casuals, Holger Dance. The songs you heard, the first one, Traitor, second one, Motherland. I know Motherland stuck in your head. Just just play it back a couple times, and trust me, you'll be singing it for a week. Which brings us to our number one record of 2019. And I know, I know, a lot of people are going to say, oh, this is a cop-out. This was the obvious choice. Tool, Fear Inoculum. It could be as obvious as it is. 
right? To me, it is the most important record in our genre that got released flat out. It, it did meet all of my expectations and then some, and then the packaging was like next level shit because I'm still a, a consumer of music. I don't just MP3 the shit, you know? So everything that that band did to give us this record this year, I don't think anybody even compares in any way, shape, or form. Oh, like, the packaging alone sets yeah. them far and away above everybody else. They cheated. They yes. were an event, right? And this is for metal and hard rock, dude. You know what I'm saying? And, and they brought... They took Taylor Swift down somewhere, somewhere, number one or something. Remember? Yeah, yeah, for a little bit. I'm just saying this, 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 this all counts. They pissed on Taylor Swift. This all. I'm not saying that. What do you think about that Generation C? Mm. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, anyways, uh, Generation C is what again? Uh, it's uh, uh, the uh, generation after millennials. Okay, but no, what does the C stand for? Oh, cunt. Generation cunt. Okay, <laughs> thank you. Just make sure. You know, maybe, 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 maybe some new people don't know what that means. All right. The point is, is that. Um, yeah, dude. That's that's what we want. We need more events like this record, and we need it to fulfill us as fans. Um, does that mean it's the best album of the year? To me, yeah. That's what I was gonna ask. To me, yeah, dude. It's like I was gonna ask you, like, how far and away was this album compared to the other records? Even though you said you listened to Old Firm Casuals more than any record this year, how much how much further ahead is Fear Inoculum? Well, to, to me, if one of the major bands do something and it is and an meet event, expectations, and not only meet expectations, exceed expectations, you know, the bands that could have the budget to not put something out lazy and put something out to, you know, continue the legacy. If Metallica made something as good as Master of Puppets, just because it's Metallica, it's the number one record of the year to me. See what I'm saying? Right. Because they did something exceeding expectations and their expectations are their genre changing tools a genre changing band can't even label where they go you know um and so for me i know i've seen a lot of people kind of making fun of anybody that would put this on list i think revolver put this on their list but revolver is more gonna have the same mindset as as i think what i just said is like this is the most important record that was released this year and it didn't let us down and other bands did put out records this year that i don't think really did much, you know, that were on that level. And I'm not going to talk shit, but like bands like Korn, bands like Slipknot, bands like Rammstein, right? Put out good records, good records, right? Tool put out a fucking excellent record, you know? And those are all major players, right, in the metal and hard rock world that that have a major draw. So, yeah, dude, if, if you can pull this off like Tool did, I think you, you I are think if the you're best gonna, record of the year. If you're going to bitch about Tool being the top record... It's just because, again, I believe your expectations were insanely high. What did you expect from this? Like, honestly, like, what did you expect? Even if it was like another 10,000 days, which was amazing. I mean, did you expect it was going to be that? Did you expect it was going to be I it? No, it had to be its own thing. Yeah. It had to be its own thing. And this was 13 years in the, in the making. These guys are different guys now, and they still managed to keep that sound while doing something new. If Guns N' Roses puts out a record next year, let's just say, or 2021, and it exceeds my expectation and it's an event album, I can't see why I wouldn't say that's the best record of the year. Right. I know I love the underground. I'm all about the underground. That's what you know. That's what the show's about. We don't interview biggest bands in the world. But the reason why we like the underground, the underground is because the underground stays true to themselves. For a band like Tool, which exactly. is pretty much the only band out there that has ever reached this peak, that has always stayed true to themselves. Metallica could do it too. I mean, yeah, they're at they, the, they, 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 but they got been, producers and they yeah. they, they kind of do the easy way out. Like Tool, on the other hand, they make sure that this is exactly the way I want to do it. No one's going to tell tell us how to do our thing. No. And, 
compromise. No compromise. Exactly. And, and that's what I'm saying. They're one of those few bands out there that can do that, that can actually give you the song that they wanted to make mm. instead of having a bunch of producers and Hollywood people and uh, record labels try to make it more marketable, mm-hmm. package it right. Oh, lower these songs. You should probably knock off four minutes off this song. Knock off another two minutes off this song. Tools like eat a bag of dicks. Exactly. Scabby dicks. I mean, I don't know if we're going to scabby dicks. <laughs> they're not like, they're not going to make you scabby dicks. Hey, look. Maybe. If you doubt them. If you doubt them. Scabs on dicks. Scab dicks is going to be in your mouth. And so with that, guys, we're going to play um, the song that you were talking about that had so many compromises to it. There's not a song in the record that does, but this is Tempest, guys.
And that's probably, I mean, one of my favorite songs of the year, I ain't gonna lie. That song is fucking amazing. Anyway, so guys, with that, that is our top 15. The last two weeks, it's been a roller coaster. I hope you guys take the time to check out every single one of these bands, uh, whichever way you want. I tell you right now, go pick up a physical copy of all 15 of these records. I can't imagine you being disappointed. These are all excellent ones, especially our top five, if you guys haven't had a chance to check those out. So with that, our friends, until next year. Have a safe holiday, safe New Year's, Mm -hmm. and a safe week. Rest of the month? Yeah. Okay. I got two weeks. Okay. Got two weeks away from us. They're going to miss us. I miss them. Right. Yeah. Already. Yeah. And we're not even done yet. Not even. Oh, man. Usually we know who my first interview is in January. Don't have a fun clue. I miss your cyber embrace. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Till next year, friends. The Metal Sucks Podcast is signing off. This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. <laughs>